Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. And what a pleasure it is to be with you today as we explore how expert real estate investors get their investments to pay them twice. Chris Miles, the anti-financial advisor, teaches entrepreneurs and professionals how to get their money working for them today. He's an author, podcast host of the Chris Miles Money Show, has been featured in U.S. News, CNN Money, Bigger Pockets as well. With his company, Money Ripples, he specializes in getting his clients fast financial results. So Chris, start us off today by telling us about an experience from your formative years that helped you to be who you are today. You know, it's hard to always pick one experience, isn't it? Because that forms who you are just along the way. But if I say anything, the thing that got me on this journey initially was hearing my parents listen to them fight over money, right? And talk about it in a, such a scarcity light. Because you know, many of my parents, you know, both my parents were very opposites, right? Opposite people. They end up divorcing when I was nine. My dad was like the typical, really the the Great Depression type of parent, right? He was the guy that say, "Hey, there's never enough. Hey, what do you think I am? Made of money? Money doesn't grow on trees, you know." And and hey, you got to save everything, save every penny you can because you've got to have it for something, right? So just save it, just save it, hoard it, put it away for that someday. And he also believed that you'd work for a company for 40 years and then eventually you retire, right? My mom was the opposite. She was trained by the same master painter that Bob Ross was trained by, a guy named Bill Alexander. So she was a professional artist, did very much that same line of painting style, right? And she had the belief that you were a starving artist until you died. And then after you died, your artwork became something. So for her, it was always like struggle. There's still that lack. And, and that's when I really decided I didn't want to follow either of my parents. I didn't want to follow their example. Uh, and so I said, I'm going to be the first one in my family to go to college. And then eventually from there, then I'll try to get to uh, go really go into business. But instead of being like a consultant, I was actually planning to be a business consultant and go in, tell big corporations why they treat their employees like crap, and then walk out with a big check. And that's how I live life. Right. Uh, and that really got me started on a path that eventually got me to eventually drop out of college. <laughs> so uh, that's, that's kind of where I got formed initially. How old were you when you had that first insight? You know, I would think it was probably about, uh, it was probably just before the divorce. I was about nine, maybe 10. Really? Wow. When that happened. Well, wow. An interesting insight to have it at such a young age. And I'm sure it has made a difference in your entire life. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us why it is that uh, traditional money advice comes from scarcity and why it sucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you've, if you've met with the people that are traditional financial advisors, they're AKA salesmen in suits, right? I mean, they really are just pushing product. It's kind of like Mexican food. You know, if you look at Mexican food, they have all kinds of names. When you look at the ingredients list, it's the same thing, right? It's always like some sort of tortilla. There's beans, cheese, rice, you know, lettuce, tomatoes. It's always the same stuff, just packaged differently. And that's what financial advising is. And so, see, when I went on my journey to become like that business owner, I, before I became a business consultant, I thought I should have real business experience. So, I dropped out of college to start a new business. And the first one that came up was being a financial advisor. And I did that for four years. I stayed dropped out of college with one course to go to get my degree. And I, I started going the entrepreneur route. And I'll tell you, after about three to four years, 
I started to realize that financial advising wasn't working and that the numbers and the assumptions were wrong, right? Because they would always teach us that we tell people 10, 12%, right? So we're quoting 12%, we're running those in our little calculators, right? And inflation, we only keep it like two or 3%, you know, which that's not true either. And by the way, the stock market for the last 30 years, even with the last 13 years in a row of upswing, a straight up, which we've never seen in history, still the last 30-year average is only 8.4%. That's the real rate of return, not the average that they always teach, right? So when I start putting in real numbers like 7 or 8%, and I'm putting in inflation at least 4%, right? And I start putting on all this stuff, I found out people couldn't retire. And it was kind of depressing. And, and I realized that my career was at stake here. And so it actually was uh, it, the big aha happened was when in 2000, just before 2006, right? Right, the, right before the new year there, I called my friend who left financial advising to be a real estate investor. So I call him up and I thought, okay, this guy's probably broke. Let's, let's get him to come work for me again. Totally opposite answer. He says, Chris, life is amazing. My dad and I have partnered on some deals. My dad's now doubled his income as a professor at the local university. And I said, wait, that's, that's impossible. That's too good to be true because this was only four months ago that you guys started this. He said, yeah, Chris, it's working. And so we got in this debate about what's better, stocks or real estate. And finally, he stopped me. He said, Chris, how many of your clients are financially free? Like where they don't worry about money, not just retired, but they don't worry about money. And I thought even the retired physicians and people that I had as, you know, that were in retirement and they would watch CNN. So of course they would be scared of everything. So nobody was free. Like everybody was scared they're going to run out of money. So I said, none. He said, well, good job, Chris. Well, how about this? How many of your clients are financially, not your clients, but how many of you guys as financial advisors are financially free, not off the commissions you're earning? Big point, right? Not off the commissions, but actually doing these mutual fund investments. And I thought about it. And I thought of the guys that have been working since the late 70s. And, and they were still working their tail off because they couldn't retire. And I said, well, none of them. He said, well, there's your problem. I said, well, tell me the answer. He's like, I'm not going to tell you the answer. You just get on arguing with me that the stocks are better. And I said, okay, fine. I'm listening. What is it? And he's like, all right, if you're serious, get this book by Robert Kiyosaki called Who Took My Money? It's a lesser known rich dad book. And then go listen to this radio show, this AM talk radio show, pre-podcast, of course, right? Just with these two real estate investors talking about you know, investing and money and all that kind of stuff. And so I did. A few months later, 2006, March of 06, I quit. Never vowed never teach about money again. I would just be a mortgage broker and I would teach stocks on the side as well as teach ballroom dancing at the local university because little known fact, I was one of the nation's top amateur dancers. And I started doing that. And eventually, I was able to retire myself. I was able to get out of the rat race. I was able to get enough passive streams of income that I didn't have to work anymore. And I was 28, almost 29 years old. So in 2007, I came out of retirement to teach people how to do it. Went through the recession, went you know through the lows and the highs, and came back out again. And it was actually even though I was over a million dollars in debt, I was able to dig my way back out without bankruptcy, and I was able to uh, become financially independent for the second time uh, by the end of 2016. And so I was able to prove that this stuff actually works, right? Like aiming for passive income, not accumulating money like everybody teaches in financial advising, but passive income is the real secret to financial freedom. It's about what kind of income does it actually generate? And I'll tell you, I mean, it's, it's huge because in, in financial advising, the reason it sucks is even if you, you know, make this mediocre return with these high risks of maybe 8%, right? If you're lucky. And that's probably because you bought just the S&P 500 fund and you barely eked out 8%, you're still not going to have a whole lot of money. Because even if you get up to say $2 million, right? That you happen to save up. And that takes quite a bit of work and time to do that in the stock market. Well, $2 million, you're not supposed to pull out more than 2 or 3% a year if you don't want to run out of money early. So what you have to do is 
If you got $2 million, you're probably not between about fifty dollars or $60,000 a year before tax. So you get paid tax, you're lucky to live on what this upper lower class lifestyle. You're not even middle class in that category. So versus if I had $2 million, I put in even just passive investments, whether it's syndications, whether it's buying a turnkey rentals or whatever it might be, oil, you know, different things you can do that way. And I can easily make at least $200,000 a year, right? I can make at least 10% that generates actual income. And much of that, especially if it's in real estate or oil and things like that, I can take that income with very little to no tax. And so that was the key difference for me. It blew up my world in 2006 to realize like, wait a minute, everything I taught as an advisor was wrong, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's really the long, hard, unproven path to create financial freedom. And I like evidence. I like to know things work. And the only thing that's worked is probably what's worked for you as well, for you as well Helen. I mean, it's, it's investing these alternative investments that actually generate cash flow. That's the key. Well, Chris, tell us about your journey and how it is that you actually were able to escape the rat race, not once, but twice. Yeah. <laughs> much harder the second time, by the way, even though I'd done it before, it was harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time was really easy because I had very low expenses. I only needed 3500 a month to be financially independent, right? It actually was a few things. I mean, one, I actually sold my, my, my starter home, um, sold it, then leased it back, sold it to an investor, leased it back from the investor, and then subleased it to somebody else to try to generate some cash flow, right? I started doing things with money to leverage it that way. Um, hard money lending was big uh, back then. Yeah, I still do that, but I know there's way better things you can do sometimes than just hard money lending, right? But I was doing some of that as well. And, and that's kind of how we got out of the rat race. That and even some passive streams of income through the business because I quit being a financial advisor, right? But I was a mortgage broker. Uh, one thing I learned, of course, was you know when, when I was a financial advisor, you're living in scarcity. It's never enough. You don't want to split commissions, right? You know those kind of things. You want to you don't want to share anything. And so I remember one of my friends that I made that was a millionaire. He said, "Chris, do you love doing mortgages?" I said, "Well, I like the education. I like getting them the results, but I absolutely hate the paperwork. I can't stand it." He said. Well, Chris, why don't you find somebody who does like doing that and then split the deal? And I said, well, is there anybody crazy enough to want to just do paperwork? He said, trust me, there is. And so I found that guy within my own brokerage, said, hey, can we split this 50-50 if I basically serve them to you on a silver platter? You just have to do all the work. <laughs> and he said, yes. And so I'd spend half an hour, maybe an hour educating these people. And then the next thing I know, I walk out with a check of like 1000 or 1500 bucks. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is super easy. So between that and then the real estate I was doing, combining those together, I was working maybe a couple hours a week, but I was now out of the rat race. So it was kind of the pre-four-hour workweek time period, right? And that's how I did it then. The second time around, I had some of that too, but then I started adding more investments. I do more with actually buying and owning the properties and rentals and doing more investing with others, like doing a syndication into a multifamily apartment and things like that. Even doing like land deals right now where getting some great returns doing a land partnership where they're doing a lot of the, you know, the selling and the financing and I'm just the financer, right? So lots of different things. But in fact, I'm still always trying to grow that income because if there's anything I've learned from the first time is do not cut your streams of income. Try to create as many multiple streams of income as possible within reason. Don't become so overly diversified. If you've got like $2 million like some of my clients do and you're throwing it here and there, right? I get these dentists that like put 50,000 with everybody. And then they can't even manage it all. It's like, okay, we got to simplify it down and make it work, right? There's ways to diversify and not have to put money with 10, 20 different people and 10, 20 different deals among those 10, 20 different people, right? We'll be right back after a brief announcement. 
Are you a busy professional passionate about the work of your calling yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steedtucker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Yeah, diversification is okay, but you can overdo that just like you can anything at all. Absolutely. I guess moderation in all things, I guess, is kind of a good idea. Exactly. Well, you tell us that investors need uh, passive income, not transactional income. So tell us what is the difference between passive and transactional income and why it is that the former is more important than the latter. Yeah. I mean, whether you're a business owner, you own a practice or whatever it might be, right? The truth is, is that when you're in business, you know, or even if you're just a quote unquote real estate investor, right? And specifically I'm talking about like wholesalers, flippers, you know, people like that that are they're really in the business of real estate. They're not passive investors, right? Anybody that's in that place, active income is good. That should be your economic engine to generate more money to then take those profits and not just reinvest, as they say, right? Which means you're spending it. Like if you always reinvest money in your business, you're not profitable, right? You got to make sure that you're taking some of that profit, moving over here to create and generate passive income. And the reason why that's better is because transactional income is great. And there's so many people out there, like those of us that are making you know, millions of dollars a year right, off of our active income. But the thing is, you're not wealthy. You're not truly free. It's a, it's a mirage. right? And you never know it unless you have something like the warning bells of 2020 that happened, right? where 2020, all of a sudden, we started having people become non-essential businesses, right? and they have to shut down. And I had a lot of clients that were business owners or practice owners saying, oh, this is what you're talking about. Like Now I'm, I'm paying out expenses. I'm paying even my staff to you know, take calls or field things or reschedule everything, rebook everything and move it out. I'm losing money because I'm not generating income. That is exactly why you need passive streams of income coming in that you don't have to keep working hard for. right? And that's the problem is that so many people get caught up thinking that just because they make millions in their active income business, doesn't mean that they're truly a financially free millionaire. They're a millionaire that has a job. You're just a high-paid job owner, right? You've got to get to a place where that money's coming in, whether you're working or not. And that's, and that's whether you're you know, like, uh, like some of these people where 2020 makes you non-essential. Um, I had another client where luckily he had streams of income coming in from the passive income where he got sick last year and hasn't been able to work at all. This has been keeping him going. He hasn't had to like, live on credit cards and things like that. I mean, I have another client who retired to Bali and she's like, hey, nothing bad happened, but I'm in Bali now. So living my life, you know, and, and that's and that's the kind of freedom you want is you want to be work optional where you work because you want to, not because you have to. Absolutely. And yes, you're right. It can be an illusion, uh, particularly if you're a high paid professional, uh, you can very satisfied with that. And then all of a sudden, like your friend, you come down sick and you can't work. Mm -hmm. And you realize that it was just an illusion there. Yeah. Well, how is it that you go about double dipping in real estate? Yeah. So I use a strategy that some have talked about. Uh, here's the thing. When you hear the strategy, you got to make sure you're doing the right one because there's a lot of BS out there. Uh, a strategy called infinite banking, 
right? You may have heard of it. You might even have guests on the show that have talked about it here or there. But basically what you're doing is you're taking life insurance, whole life insurance, right? And instead of just putting money in the bank where you earn point nothing percent, and then you get taxed on that point nothing percent, instead, we use the whole life insurance as a tax-free supercharged savings account. Here's the problem. Almost every stupid insurance salesman out there, as good-hearted as they are, are basically making these things way too expensive, not even worth it. You'd be better off just buying term and investing the difference, right? But if you design it just right with the lowest cost possible, right, where it essentially pays for itself very, very quickly, when it's happening, it becomes like this tax-free supercharged savings account. And for those of you that are attorneys, you know about certain, ta- you know, certain laws of law, you know, litigation, things like that. In most states, this money, whether you have millions in there or not, is 100% from lawsuits and creditors, right? So not only is it a great place to store it, just to make better interest in the bank, uh, but on top of that, now you even have it protected. And even better, here's the part that makes it where you get the double dip, right? Is that most people just take money out of their savings or checking account and they invest. So great, you take that money, you invest, it's now working one in one place. And it might be a great place too, but it's working in one place. With the life insurance, what we can do is we can get a line of credit against it, whether it be through the insurance company or a bank. And they use the cash that's in there, the cash savings. Again, that's why you need it to be low cost. You actually have cash in there from day one, not from year 10, you know, like a lot of guys do it. But you got this cash in there that now you can go in and create collateral. You can actually go and leverage it. You can get a line of credit against it. Uh, in most cases, there's no minimum monthly payment. <laughs> if they charge you anywhere from 3 to 5% interest, while at the same time, the money that's already in there is still earning this tax-free compounding interest of at least 4 5 6% a year. So what you get is you get this huge leverage effect. Because say that you borrow at 3%, but you're earning 5.5%. Let's just say, I'll even go low for some of these companies. 5.5%, you're, you're not just creating a 2.5% return, right? Because that 3%, you know, going from 3 and you're making almost 6 that's a double. That's 100% return at 6%. So you're making you know, up in the ballpark of around 70% return. Plus, you're still investing that money in real estate or in whatever you want because there's no restrictions. There's no like 10% penalties like Roth IRAs have, even though it grows like a Roth, it's taxed like a Roth, right? Grows tax free, comes out tax free, but there's no limitations. There's no income limitations. You can put in, you know, I have clients putting in hundreds of thousands, half a million or more a year into these things so they can one, store their money and protect it. And then two, get this double dip effect where they're earning. You know, their money over here in the investment, and they're earning an extra at least three, four plus percent compounding on the other side too at the same time. So even if you're only earning 10% on a deal, you're earning at least a 13% return on the total by using the strategy versus just using your savings account. Yes, those are good plans. I have a couple of those myself. So an excellent way to go about that. And there are many ways to get into that, like you had uh, mentioned there. Well, Chris, tell our viewers and listeners how it is that they can get in touch with you. Yeah. You know, the best way you can do that is, is one of two ways. I mean, one, you can always go to our website, moneyripples.com. Got lots of great information on there. You can even go to the contact us page on that point. Or, you know, I also invite anybody that's listening to this podcast, go to my podcast as well, which is called The Chris Miles Money Show. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, uh, YouTube, you name it. But we've got over 550 episodes to choose from. So take a pick. Well, Chris, one last question, and that Hmm. is share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life and how did you come through that time and what did you learn from that experience? You know, I've had two big ones. You know, one was the last recession, right? That was a really tough one. 
And I, and I came through a divorce also in 2015, which made it tough. That's actually what got me to create some passive income. But I'll tell you, the things that I learned in the recession is what got me through that divorce too. Uh, because you know, in the recession, you know, I, again, I came out of retirement to teach people how to get out of the rat race. The problem was that we just launched this company, put a ton of money into it. I cut off my streams of income to focus my time and attention there instead of creating multiple streams of income. So mistake number one is do not cut off your streams of income. Mistake number two is that we were focused on one market, which were real estate investors. And they're the real estate investors that were banking on appreciation. That was mistake number two, is I was also banking on appreciation with my real estate versus focusing on cash flow, which got me out of the rat race in the first place. But again, I got greedy. I wanted to make money fast. So that was a big one. Is one, I needed to focus on keeping multiple streams of passive income. Two is focus on income and passive income, not appreciation, right? Three is I had to get honest with myself. You know, I had to stop teaching people how to get out of the rat race at that time because I was back in it. Because I, I went from the point of millionaire to what I call upside down millionaire, right? Where millionaire to over a million dollars in debt. I was $16,000 in the hole each month. And the way I got out of it, I mean, most of it was more mental than it was financial, right? Because of course, I'm dealing with all this ego and stuff because I was the guy that had it all figured out. Now I'm back in the rat race. Now I'm, my life is screwed up, you know? Because I made some mistakes. I'm not filing for bankruptcy because I'm just dang stubborn, but it would have been dang easier if I actually filed for bankruptcy. It would have been easier getting hit in the zero reset button than trying to go from negative million, right? Or 1.1 million to be exact. So I have no money, no credit. And so I had to create, you know, really get over those mental hurdles. And one of the best strategies I did for that was actually doing what some people call like the Tony Robbins called the hour of power, right? Or some people call it the morning routine or morning ritual or miracle morning. Every successful person has some sort of morning routine to get themselves off in an abundant state right away. And so I do that. I focus on what I call the three E's, exercise, education, and enlightenment, right? Exercise, like when I get up, I have to exercise because I can't go into enlightenment, do like you know yoga or meditating or praying because I'll fall right asleep. Uh, so I have to get out and get my blood pumping. And it can be simple as a walk, a brisk walk in the morning or something like that. I actually now become a marathoner because of it. <laughs> so... I actually qualified for the Boston Marathon this last year, and and now I'm trying to keep pushing the limits. You know, as I get into my mid 40s, you know, so exercise is key. Just kind of keep your body in a good state. Then you can move into education, which you could even do during the exercise. Education could be like listening to great audiobooks, these podcasts that you're listening to right now. It could be reading books, of course. It could be reading certain news that pertain to your your profession or the thing you're trying to become an expert at. And then enlightenment—that's the thing where you connect with your spirit, right? Like. Do you do meditation? Do you do yoga? Do you do prayer? Do you read scriptural texts? You know, whatever it is that gets you, you know, do you journal, whatever it is that gets you in the right frame of mind and being that allows you to be in that best abundant state and have a win from the first moment. Because I'll tell you, I did not feel like a winner most days, but if I could at least win in the morning, that gave me enough fuel to at least have hope and try. Yeah, and it took me a good year and a half to get through that experience. It wasn't until 2009, almost the end of 2009, when everything turned around for us and it turned around fast. And I, I, do, I do attribute a lot of that success because I was able to try to control my mind, stay in a place of gratitude. I did a lot of prayers of gratitude during that time to try to count whatever blessings I had. And I, pulled my, I was able to help pull out of that, that, uh, that whole situation I was in and, and then gradually pay my way out of debt and, and get my passive income up again to now in the, you know, in the five figures a year or no, per month, not year, five figures per month, six figures per year, passive income. So I can actually be in a place where I'm work optional. I work because I want to, not because I have to now. Well, thank you, Chris, for sharing those aspects of your life. Very interesting story and inspirational as well. So thank you for being with us today, Chris. 
It's been an absolute honor. I really appreciate it, Alan. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.